I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 79, and our book is Araman Sorcerer, The Continued Adventures Within the Araman Omnibus. The book tells the story of Araman looking for yet another lost artifact and or person and or place. It's like it's a thousand sun story. (laughs) (laughs) What even is this? We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via VoxCast, YouTube, our site, or encrypted Vox. I already said Vox channel. Goodness. Spoiler warning. If somehow you haven't yet read this book, Maybe go check out the book and then come back to this post as we'll be discussing it from start to finish in great detail. With that, let's dive in. Did you like the book? I did. I enjoyed it. Nice. I did. <laughs> well, I think it was I... about uh, about halfway through. I was like, Jenna's not going to like this book. I mean, it's a. Uh, this is written for Thousand Suns fans, you know, and it. It doesn't even matter like if you're on Ariman's side or or not. I mean, because I would imagine if you're not on Ariman's side, because I'm not sure if I am either. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I really enjoyed the book, especially since it was up against the Inquisitors, because I just loved showing how the Inquisitors are no better than the Thousand Sons that they're tracking down talk a lot about that later because I that I had to agree with you on that I did not like this book and it's funny that you say at the halfway point because at the halfway point is where I almost texted you and was like I I can't I I can't power through this we have to get through these three so that we can get to the fourth um I man I really struggled with this book. I, it was one of those ones where like at at the end there, like once you figure out what is going on and they're all in Apollonia, it's like, oh, okay. All right. Like now stuff is happening. But for me, I was like, this is too little too late. And it, it, it runs into one of the tropes that I really hate. And I know I've mentioned it a lot on this podcast, but it's the Xanatos Gambit. Um, I will dive more into this later. Let's start with what part stood out to you. Oh, man. Let's see. Pull out my notes here. There was like a lot of like really fun um, insights that I kind of enjoyed. You know, like I loved when he was um, talking to Ariman. Just guess which he was talking to uh, Carmenta like near the end. And she was there sassing him a bit. Like I kind of really liked her. Like, you trust too much and too little. You know almost everything but overlook what you do not understand. Your eyes see far but miss the cliff at your feet. Ladies and gentlemen, the Thousand Suns. Actually, it's funny you say that because I bookmarked the same thing. And I had the same thought. Generally, I don't like when the authors kind of make meta commentary about, like characters or legions but that i was like that is so on the nose it goes around the horn to being amazing like yes because there is literally no better description of the thousand sons as a legion that that extends to madness you know everything and nothing at the same exact time you know it basically all comes down to hubris you know and ari men said this like chapter two he made the comment, knowledge is power, which I know is one of the big thousand sons mantras, but the greatest knowledge is how to find 
more. It's like that constant thirst for knowledge, which is what ended up dooming mm-hmm. dooming Magnus. Um, it's really how Zinch gets everybody in the end. Like, I can't, you know, how many Inquisitor, you know, short stories or whatever have we read where the Inquisitor just wanted to know everything a little bit more and oh, shit. We just, like, unleashed a little Zinchite. Yeah. Do you know what the Thousand Suns remind me of? I had this the other night where I was on YouTube and I was looking for... I don't remember what I was looking for, but it was something cooking related. I was looking for, like, how to do something. And then... Three hours later, I can now tell you the complete history of, like, all of these random things. Because there is, and I feel like YouTube is particularly, oh, God, YouTube is zinch. Oh, my goodness. But it, it, the algorithm knows, right? Especially if you're learning stuff. It's like, hey, do you want to listen to this? Yes, I do. Oh, do you want to listen to this, too? Mm-hmm. Boy, do I. Because it gets... We as human beings want to know more about the world, right? And that's, as Ted Lasso said, uh, be inquisitive, not judgmental. And, or curious, be not curious, judgmental. Yeah. yeah. We are curious creatures by and large, right? I mean, how many myth- myths are there about that Pandora, anyone? Um, we like to know more. And I feel like the Thousand Suns, I could even made a quip about that as I was like on hour two of diving down a rabbit hole on YouTube. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so this is what happened to the Thousand Sons. Um, it is their eternal Achilles heel, I guess. It's their curse. Their curse is this just drive for more knowledge. And Zinch is all too ready to give it to them. Yeah, that's no why it's something that made me sad, but I understood why Sinoct felt this way. Was, and he was telling, you know, Ignis, you know how he was feeling about all this and he was like no it's like armin wasn't wrong wasn't wrong in his idea of how to save us but he was wrong to believe that we were worth saving so it's like he's come around full circle on the whole thing like we were meddling with things that we shouldn't have been doing you were warned and now here we are we're not worth saving and it was a really interesting way like how he kind of came around to that you know and he was he said that we are heirs of blind kings, ruling a kingdom of ashes. I love that. Um, I love that line. Sinek, you know, Sinek was actually one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I mean, he was one of mine, too. I mean, um, the so he was a major player also in the short stories that were right before this. And so, but he was just like the swordsman, you know, kind of like almost like his own little Lucius. So it's kind of cool to see him actually having this totally different like viewpoint on things and he was talking about he's like you know look at all these people that were trying to stop us from like destroying ourselves and he starts with the emperor and right there like yeah yeah <laughs> you know um he's like the emperor Cain and aim and Amon. you know uh and Cain, i i don't think Cain believes in what abaddon is doing either to be totally honest i think he's just He's a survivor, is honestly what it is. He's not with Armin. He's not with Magnus. He's like, no, we we done messed up, yo, and we're done with all of this. And it's just trying trying to get get through the next day. So it's all so as much as I like the Thousand Sons, and it's and I like the Thousand Sons because I don't know, I don't know. I guess I kind of fall for the you know the road to hell is paved with with good intentions because they they want to believe 
that they're doing the right thing like Magnus wanted to believe so hard and part of it is that honestly in False Gods I felt so sorry for Magnus because here he is entering in this you know peyote dream that Erebus has tricked um, Horus into doing and Magnus shows up and was just like he's tricking you this mm-hmm. is not who you think it is and what does Horus do? You're not supposed to be here, Magnus. Dad said that's not okay. Like, d- you're going to listen to this guy. I just right. pointed out to you that he's lying to you and trying to trick you. And you're going to instead turn on me because I'm going to disobey dad. But I'm doing this to try to save you. That honestly, I probably wouldn't have been such a thousand sons person if it was not really for that moment. So thank you, Graham McNeil. You've made you. This is all your fault. In so oh many ways, God. this is all your fault. I have to tweet at him. <laughs> well I, it's i did just finish angel exterminatus as well so anyone been drinking game at home go ahead and drink i just mentioned horace heresy uh, he's made me really like perturbo as well so anyway so so there is that but it's just but it does i understand why you don't like them because i understand like how annoying it is to constantly be beating, you know, the definition of insanity, try and keep doing the same things. But it's like, well, this time I have it. Well, this time I have it. And it's just, you know, Ariman, I think just what drives him is this great guilt of what. Because when they went to the planet of the sorcerers, his immediate thought was, this is not okay. And I do not like this. I do not like mm-hmm. how Magnus has banished us here. And I'm watching everybody change. I want to save everybody. And it's just tragic because he obviously doesn't know the story because Magnus never told him, like his own father never told him about how Magnus lost his eye. It was, I, ne- it was never going to work out. You're constantly making these bargains that you're not realizing you that you're making to try to, to save everybody. You are. And I can only handle so much of that. And the and this is one of those core things that you and I disagree on, which is the joy of the Warhammer 40k universe, because both of us are probably right. I like I look at that and I'm like, oh yeah, like had the Emperor told them the truth, like okay, this is what the warp is and this is all of this stuff, I still think Magnus would have been like, Oh, okay, old man, but I can tame it. Like I come on, You know what? You're probably right. Well, but I mean, I can also see the other argument. And I think that's one of the glorious things about the Warhammer 40k mm-hmm. universe is depending on whether or not you like a character, you can totally argue for or against that character. And I think it's just, I get like all like, Warhammer 40k. Um, but Araman in particular, like there's only so much tragedy that I can handle. And this book was just a little too much leaning into the tragedy of the Thousand Sons. Like every now and then he would make this quip and I'm like, you're right like when he talks about like we don't deserve to be saved like gotta say i agree with you there friend like but it's let's so let's because this is actually a good bridge into let's start with Armin himself do you like him as a character and as a protagonist is he compelling in these books are you invested in his adventures I don't have an easy answer for that because the answer is kind of yes, but also no at the same time. Um, I think I'm the opposite. Like where yes, you are, but you're also kind of not. I am not. I kind of am a little bit. (laughs) 
And it, it runs into one of those problems, to me at least, this book especially. Pre-Rift, there's really not anything you can do with Ahriman. What is Ahriman's quest? Find the Black Library, find a cure, fix my mistakes, save my legion. Friend, friend, you can't do that without dramatically altering the lore of 40k. So right. for me, I'm kind of like, nothing's going to happen in this. But the reason I didn't call you when I was at the halfway point to be like, I can't, is that part of me is like, see what this bonehead does in the end. And I'm I, the and, opposite. You know, and I, and I get that, you know, it's like, every time I read about Fabulous Bill, I'm like, I hate this guy so much. I hate him. He doesn't do anything good for anybody and but I and all I want him to do is just die and be written off in the sunset. But I know that will never happen because he's he's know. fabulous, Bill. He's right. one of the named ones, Araman. Well, that it's kind of funny. It's called Araman Eternal, but but like, Araman wouldn't it be is eternal? Would it be boring? We didn't have a character that we hated that much. I mean, oh my god, or a character to debate. I hate this character. You like this character. Could you imagine how dull it would be if we didn't have these people in this universe? It's what is so, again, it's one of the things that makes me just be like, 40k. Because <laughs> you have this stuff where you could very easily, right, argue for it and against it. And I just, oh man. And I think part of me kind of low-key loves to hate Armin. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I kind of like knowing that he's the, out there just... You know, the weird thing about him is that he's like, he's a train wreck. And you just, like, how is he going to wreck the train this time? You know, like that one, like, stupid friend that we all had that keeps making bad decisions and makes their life worse. How are they going to screw time, everything up like, this time? Don't do it. But they still do it anyway. Oh, because they know better than you. You don't know it's true. you don't know their life. You've only known them for X years. Um <laughs> yes. Um I think I think the thing here's the thing that I struggle with, and I'm curious of your th your thoughts on this. I mentioned the Xanatos Gambit earlier. I feel like one of the things with Araman is that he oh all of his stories <laughs> except for the Rubicon, obviously. <laughs> or the Rubik. Uh little little curveball there uh, a lot of these stories feel like xanatos gambits right like he gets down to the planet and sanact is like i'm gonna kill you now and armin's like yeah i know it's exactly what i wanted you to do I th really that's but how zinchi is that right the <laughs> long seriously the long game it's true. I mean, there's that meme of like, you know, everything, you know, falls apart and the plans get done and Zinch is like, ah, oh, yes, it's all coming together. You know, and honestly, the ending to this reminded me a lot of Lords of Silence in a way. You don't know who's on whose side and who's being manipulated, you know, like who's killing who, you know, and. Does that bigger and argue? <laughs> You know, it reminded me a, a lot of that. And I know this this book this book was written first, but it was still kind of a lot of that. You know, who's playing whom here? Everyone thinks they're playing the other one. Well, in the world of Zinch, well, there's only one winner, and that's Zinch. Like, not even his minions. It's 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 only Zinch is the winner because he's you know 
he ain't going anywhere playing that long game and i think ariman you know as much as ariman doesn't want anything to do with demons like he's fine with having because like the short stories were about another thousand sun that he basically put in his employ to constantly be binding demons and casting demons and the guy the last short story he didn't make it finally burned himself out big shock so argument has no problem with other people employing these these demons but he's not going to sully himself in with that because you know that's how i mean let's talk about how he still looks pure he still looks the way he always did because he is not 100 percent into the chaos he's no problem using people that's the big difference here is that how much he's willing to use people and in so many ways it's very much like how his father is okay when his father um his magnus you know, went to go talk to horace and then went and broke the webway how many thousand sons did he have to sacrifice to give him the power to be able to you know move him his astral form using x-man terms now his astral form you know across the universe yeah no it's so and it's one of those really interesting things about Armin. going back to that initial quote that you were mentioning that we both really liked he is both this oh i just want to save my legion and i just want to help my brothers and yet I got no problem breaking those eggs along the way. Exactly. I mean, he is 100% the you got to break some eggs to make an omelet type of guy. But (laughs) it's the omelet that he wants to make. It's not necessarily like for the greater good. Um, And it always, or at least that's how it feels in the moment, especially in this book at that end. You don't even know this is going to get you what you want. No. You think it's going to. No, but that's where I think it was such a great parallel with the Inquisition right there (laughs) and we will definitely talk about them because boy oh boy but i also wanted to talk about sanakt because he how do you feel about him as a partner or an adversary to aramin because he was kind of this very interesting foil like as you mentioned one of the things i always do find interesting about the thousand sons is when you do um i think it's iskander kane who said it yeah it was kane who said it in one of the books where he like he's they're fighting and um oh my gosh my favorite character Leorvine kind of looks at him and is like whoa and he's like dude we were also warriors we weren't just a bunch of sorcerers sitting around okay I like when you find those thousand sons who are like oh yeah I do pri- I, I am still I am a warrior mm-hmm. I will still fight you I am an excellent like this guy devoted himself to that and he had a plan but I and he that was basically his thing is like oh I'll just overpower him <laughs> Because I am a superior swordsman. Um, I do like when you see those Thousand Sons characters. I don't know why, but it's an interesting bit of flavor to them when they're just like, yes, I'm a sorcerer, but also. Well, you know, there's one thing that, you know, Ariman used to be like that. Like, uh, if you read A Thousand Sons, like, he was a swordsman. Mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, now he's kind of moved away from that. But, you know, things have happened. It's been a few thousand years. Um, he's been busy. <laughs> he's been a little busy, you know. That's some trauma. Creating the rubricae, getting banished, hiding on a ship, you know, all these all these kinds of things. Arguably, um, really quickly, he has been arguably the busiest <laughs> since the heresy. Like in terms of just how much stuff he's done. Like, good, yeah. bad, different. I <laughs> mean, sure. I mean, because even when uh, Cain found Abaddon, he was just hanging out in the vengeful spirit going, my life sucks. <laughs> I can't even put my hair up anymore. It's just all kind of down in my face. 
palm tree. <laughs> my palm, just right, my palm tree. Um, but did you like Sonoct as a partner as an actor? I did, I did. But, I, but like I said earlier, um, I liked him in the short stories as as well. And it was really funny because the short stories actually was told from a perspective, like I said, of that guy who could actually conjure demons. He see, he first sees Sonoct on the ship and he was, and his first thought is, I never wanted to see that guy again, ever. I was like, well, that's interesting. But I think I liked, but... The fact that he was a so source. I didn't read the short stories now. Um, they're interesting. Like they don't they don't have a huge bearing on what happens here, but they but the short stories actually tell how Aryaman gets out of the eye. Oh, yeah. Too long. Did not read. Uh, I don't even know if I can do that. <laughs> well, of course not, because it's an Aryaman plot. <laughs> There was a lot of moving pieces and there was like... He is the Rube Goldberg of human beings. Oh my God. That's so... Yes. Yes. He he is. You know, and like, I mean, Bellacore was even involved. I mean, there was a lot going on. <laughs> there was... There, there was a lot, but... Yes. Yeah, so... But I mean, I did like, I did like Sanakt and I really liked him as an adversary because I understood how he felt. I totally understood. He's just like, dude, just stop. Let it go. Right. Yeah. Just uh, kinda... He was like, you know, he talked about how he was almost completely burned out by Cain. And so he still had some, but not as strong as he was, which I think is one reason why mm -hmm. he honed the swords as much as he did. But, you know, he, um, but he understood we messed up like it's you know even magnus magnus had that in the in the beginning you know with thousand sons he's like i've doomed us to this we had to let them come but then hearing feeling his sons dying was too much for him he's like i, I can't but that's how that's where sanakt is we messed up we need to stop you're making things worse just let it let's let us go and that means i have to kill you even though i do consider you a friend that's the only way you're going to stop. And that's what I have to do. And I thought he planned it very well. Get him into the one area where he has none of his sorcery. Except that he also forgot that Ariman still knows how to fight as well. And he forgot that Ariman plays the long game. Um, yeah. I wouldn't turn my back figuratively or literally on Ariman for anything. And that was the only thing yeah. that made me feel a little bad. Like when Armin's just like, I saw you planning this. I was like, oh, bruh. Bruh, you should have known. Right. Like, come on. Everything was and going to plan. I mean, didn't Ignis kind of agree with you like way too quickly? Like the mathematician guy. Okay. Which actually I thought his ability was pretty damn cool. Okay. I will give you that. I found that part fascinating. And I did like him a lot. Um... Yeah, that's probably the only character that I was like, fuck it. I mean, as I know we bashed numerology before, but way, but the way that he was handling it, that was fun. How he's like talking about how he can see like like all the different angles. And he's like, we need to do this and this. It's by this number because he can describe like the pattern like that. I'm like, that's kind of cool. The meme of the woman pondering and all like the mathematical equations. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly actually what I thought of with, with him. So... I hated the numerology section in the Beckwin book because it was so long and boring and 
pointless and pretentious. But, the, like... The latter, in, really. Mostly the latter, let's be real. Um, but in Lords of Silence, I loved... I loved all the numerology in that because uh, Nurgle is very big into numerology. Oh, yeah. That's true. And so I always liked how... Um, I liked how he had an entire character who was basically a uh, killer accountant, right? That he would go and run numbers by him. And I liked that that was how he, he would just sit there and he would count because that was how, again, how he was processing things. So I kind of have, I don't want to have pretentious number stuff thrown at me, but I really do like it when I see the characters who use it. And I thought that was kind of cool. I really like because petition sorcerer. How cool is that? Well, what are the thousand sons at their heart? They're scholars. Mm -hmm. They didn't all decide to go into 18th century poetry. No, like, and, and they kind of talked about that a little bit because they talked about the Corvidae and they talked about a little bit of their different, and I've forgotten like all their different factions and how really cool, like pre-heresy, they really were with their different abilities because there were some that were like Ariman who were these master sorcerers and you know, librarians. And then there was some like Ignis and then there were the researchers, you know, I was like, I totally forgot that, that, yeah, that they were, you know, and, you know, uh, we've seen bits and pieces of that. The Death Guard was like that, too. Like, Vorx was a researcher. The Thousand Sons, that's the only part of their tragedy that I really do like. I'm like, oh, man, because let's pretend for a second that the Chaos Gods did not exist, right? That everything was just fine. Um... You could see a world in which the Thousand Sons would have been like the Scalum, mm -hmm. right? Where this is where everybody would have gone to learn from these people because they have these superhuman brains and they have all these abilities. These would have been, they basically would have been running Hogwarts in the 40K universe. Sure. Right? Like, you can see that. And that, like, in the, in the Emperor's Grand Plan, if he could have created the Webway, if he could have kept the Chaos Gods at bay you would have had this really neat concept for them. And that part does make me very sad. And yeah, that character really kind of tapped into that part of it where I was like, oh, dang it. Let's dive in to both of our favorites. What did you think of the Inquisitors? Oh my God. Because there is, uh, is Deborah and Iabel. <laughs> so let's, um, I mean, she wasn't really allowed. Did you like either? Uh, she wasn't really allowed long enough for me to have an opinion. That's fair about her but did you like is the bar no is the bar nope nope you know tell when, me more you know and even when they you know talked about you know how he uh when he says he said the ordo cyclopes i'm like i am done with you people because you guys are all monsters you guys think you're so much better than everybody else but you're no better than the people that you are hunting i get so tired of the little teeny niggling Ordos that they're like, well, for this story, um, Ordo, uh, Ordo Ironus Warrior A. <laughs> I get really sick of that, but you're not wrong. It, it, it's one of the great tragedies of the Inquisition, right? Because they have so much unchecked power and because they have so much more knowledge than your average Imperial citizen, they're essentially drunk on it. And yes, like he was kind of a heavy handed parallel to Araman. Like, look, they're basically opposite sides of the same coin. But I mean, you know what? Because he should have destroyed the Athenaeum. That's heresy there. Uh, but. Hey, huh? 
But that's knowledge, right? And like they even got into knowledge. this big debate, you know, about like I never wrote it down here if I just took my notes like actually like in my book where no, I didn't write it down, but basically like where he he and Ari men kind of got into a debate back and forth for like who sucks more. He's you know no, it wasn't him, it was us as Astraeus. Astraeus is like, I've seen what you what you do to worlds. You just you burn an entire world to get one person. Whereas I'm like didn't y'all do that to, like, attract the Inquisition to get them to come there? Funny. So that's kind How of funny. How when they do it, it's justified. But when the other side does it, God, it's monstrous. I can't believe Yeah, it was just, like that. like, that was interesting. But they were, but the two of them were going back and forth for, you know, who is more right in, in acquiring knowledge. And I was like, you both are wrong. You both are 100% wrong. And neither one of y'all see it and that's the problem like i don't say it wouldn't surprise me if zine charity has his little i don't know feathers tentacles whatever he feels like having that day kind of like into isdabar because i mean this guy is begging for zinch to interfere in his life somehow in that scene all i could think about was that interaction in megamind where he's like, you were right. I was less right. That's <laughs> all I could think of. Because it just, it, it, you're not wrong. And generally, okay, I'm not going to lie. It did go a little too heavy handed for me. And I'm like, I get it. As you would say, yeah. Ayn Rand, I've got it. Right. Yeah, I mean, but it did get that way. <laughs> it is one of the, excuse you. Um, it is, sorry, my cat's decided she needs attention now. Um. It is one of those quintessential things about the Inquisition that it's like, okay, yeah, you're going to sit there and point at this guy and be like, you did all this just to get me here? Rude. Monstrous. Mm -hmm. Bruh. Right. The trail of bodies behind you, personally behind you, let alone your order, let alone the Inquisition, is stellar. And okay. Yes, I like we we've seen it in Space Marine books, like with the Ultramarines and any other Astartes factions, where they have to they have to um, exterminate us a world, right? The Astartes always do it under a we oh, gotta be better safe than sorry, but God it sucks. I hate having to do this, except for the Dark Angels. If there was a, you know, other Dark Angel, well, God, if there was like a not a Dark Angel there. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And then in which case, then we got to do the thing. <laughs> it's just common sense. But there's always this kind of like, oh, I can't believe we have to do this mentality, right? I mean, they do it. They still do it, but at least they feel guilty about it. And I guess, I don't know, if you're on the planet that they exterminate us, you probably don't care that one faction felt guilty and the other didn't. But the haste. At which the Inquisition tends to just be like, oh, screw it, just exterminate us. I mean, and again, and the, the horrible, awful things they do in the pursuit of knowledge. And as you said, this, this item was heresy. And again, and you know that this like triggered me hardcore because of my feelings on Eisenhorn. Like the amount of chaos these people just dip their hate. They don't even dip their feet into it. They just... It's a zero-entry pool, and they're up to their necks in it. They had plenty of opportunity to see, like, oh, this is this is chaos. This is heresy. Yeah, no. I'm just going to keep going, because, I mean, I guess pff, it's fine. It's fine. It is and such how a many people, how many, like, 
you know, low-level psychers, they're just fine, just sacrificing to continue writing this. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It's awful. And look, I get, <laughs> like, we have already made peace as a universe. We have made peace. The psychers that get sacrificed to keep the emperor, like, it's the sausage factory, right? Oh, yeah. The pigs go oh, in yeah. and the beacon stays lit. But this felt so much more distasteful because you're talking about the difference between the beacon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the astronaut, the astronomicon, and what Magnus is doing right now. But y'all aren't doing anything about it. It's not like you're going to try to go to the planet of the sorcerers or anything and try to take care of him. I mean, if I thought you guys were actually doing something with it, maybe I wouldn't think so harsh. But you're not. You're just like. He's like the smartest person alive because technically he is because the emperor's, you know, not, te not technically alive. Look at all this knowledge that's coming in. This is, this is great. And we're just going to keep it with our, our little Ordo. And if any thousand suns happen to pop up, well, we're going to take care of them. But we like this. Okay. Yep. It's, it is, it's really kind of disgusting. And he, in particular, I mean, like, the domino chain that he essentially sets off with this, like, I mean, how many, like, tragedies and awful events in current 40K can you arguably, <clears throat> destruction of Cadia, can you arguably trace back to this guy? Just be like, thanks, bud. Hope it was worth it. And it's, I mean, like, we make a lot of fun of, like, the NSA and your your FBI agent who watches your phone calls, right? And how boring you must be to them. But, like, that's what this almost reminds me of. Like, oh, look at all this knowledge. We're oh, that's really interesting, too. <laughs> like, you're not even, like, you're not even, like, okay, we're going to save mankind with all of this. Right. I never got that impression. Oh, like, no. He gave some lip service, but I'm like, yeah, what exactly are you doing with it? They're like the dog that caught the tire. That's attached to the car. Yeah. What do you do with it? Well, I just... Oh. Apparently you go and declare that an entire chapter that is now loyal, you're just going to go destroy. Because reasons. Celestial lions, anyone? I, I know you and I have said this multiple times, and I think we had a... Um, when we still had our Patreon, I think we did an entire episode about this, but, like, the Inquisition is the Imperium's greatest strength and their greatest enemy. At the same time, like, this is an organization that needs to be called to heal. Hardcore. I don't know who's going to do that. I don't know either, because the High Lords of Terra are just as corrupt. <laughs> Let's be real. Right. Well, I don't know. Like, the good side of me would like to think that people like Jack would be appalled if they really knew what the Inquisition was up to. I think the Inquisition is one of those entities that, like, the High Lords are like, eh, we kind of know they're sketchy, but we're just going to close our eyes and pretend that it's okay because they seem to also be doing a lot of good. Like... I think if they were to actually take a deep dive, and that's probably why they haven't, like, people like Jack aren't going to go look into the Inquisition because that's not going to end well for anybody, right? Like, I, and I don't know who it is equipped to do it. Like, my husband and I were actually arguing about that. I was like, which? Because Robbie Bobby obviously can't. He has his hands full. No, but he's the only one who can. 
But what if one of his brothers were to come back, who does he sick on the Inquisition first? And Lehman Russ is not the right answer. No, and neither because is the that, lion. This is where we started to get, I was like, well, it would be the lion, right? Who would just be like, <clears throat> maybe Rogel Dorn? I think Dorn. I think probably Dorn. I think Dorn would have to be the one who comes back and is like, all right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. And exiting some people's stage right. Oh, him? He got disappeared. <laughs> I'm sure he's somewhere. He was suicided. Maybe, he chased, maybe, maybe they gave him the Epstein. <laughs> um, maybe he tracked down a thousand sun. Whoops. Whoopsie. Like, at Has, point, are you saying he flew too close to the sun? Hey, oh. <laughs> that would just become a thing. Oh, looks like he flew too close to the sun. Yeah. Did his, but did his overall like plan and scheme, did it all make sense to you? No. Because <laughs> it's the Inquisition. No, because I don't think he even knows. I think he like has his, says a bunch of stuff lip service yes i don't think iobel even knew i think you know he was fine with her, her sacrifice in a way like no he didn't want them to, to discover apollonia but you know again it's like well that's one less person who knows my secret now at the same time because he knows the gray knights aren't going to say anything <laughs> Let's transition to the other, like, major antagonists of this, which are the Space Wolves. <laughs> were they a good addition to the plot? To me, they were comic relief. Because I'm, it yes. cracked me up that they just went and attacked a white console ship and destroyed everybody there. I was like, do you, you <laughs> like, I understand that you believe that you're on a mission from God, but... You know, not supposed to be attacking other loyalist chapters just because they happen to be asking, like, why are you in the sector of space? Because all you have to do is say we're the space wolves. You don't have to explain shit. And they will let you go because they don't want to deal with space wolves. Like, it was such an easy question. Like, cuz? Like, we're space wolves? We're on the same side? Yeah. But so... I, uh, that and, you know, when the Grey Knights went and boarded, I was like, well, this is going to be weird. Like, surely they're going to realize, you know, hey, it's not the same thing. But instead, they're just like, they used to wear the crimson, but now it's the silver. I'm just like, this is hysterical. Oh, man. Yeah. Of course, the Inquisition's I... like, we're now turning our eyes to the Sons of Rust. I'm like, well... I mean, depending on when this took place, compared to Ragnar Blackman, which I think that took place before. You know what? Who knows? That could have been right around the same time. I, I have no idea. Um, but I'm yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure. I know it happens before the rift and before the attack on Fenris. Right. A wide swath of time. But right. But, so, but Ragnar Blackman was also like a long time ago. Right, that's what I'm saying, is yeah. that I know it took place before the major events, but, uh... Right. Right, so, I mean, because that was before he was even a, uh, a wolf lord. So, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so... I don't know. I have a feeling I... we're going to see him in the next book. I just have this 
Maybe not not the space wolves, obviously. <laughs> They're kind of dead. But Isdabar, I I think we will. Um, I did look up Asterius. Like, I was like, okay. Because they kept saying, like, you're not one of us. So I looked him up and... And then I quickly had to, like, shut it down because it was going to get into spoiler territory. But it would never said what chapter he originally was. So I am curious... If we get into it all of a sudden, we're going to look on the lexicanum or whatever for what chapter, uh, what the chapter supposedly did. Although with the Celestial Lions, perhaps they just disagreed with what the Inquisition did. Entirely possible. Um, what if he is one of the Celestial Lions? That actually might go around the horn to being kind of awesome. Um, not even going to lie to you. Um... Yeah, I would kind of laugh about that. I God, I just thought the Space Wolves were too much. Like, and we'll talk a little was bit more about Was it like a Spider-Man 3 incident? <laughs> it was exactly that to mind. And we will talk more about this, or we can actually bridge into this right now if you want. You've got the Grey Knights. You have the Inquisition. You have the Space Wolves. You have his own seeming comrades. Like, Araman is beset upon all sides. Like, it just felt like a little too much and I and I know I've said this before but I am like so over the Inquisition versus the Space Wolves and like when they should like when everybody all of a sudden is like who who's on what side like <laughs> that whole scene was humorous mildly and then I quickly was just like oh I just don't care about any of this but you know, and it's I, not even. I think it's not even that they showed the space wolves in a, a pretty. I mean, they did. They showed them in kind of a negative light, right? Because it's a Thousand Suns book. Um, makes sense. Totally on board with that. I just felt like it was a. It was Spider Man Three syndrome. It was just too much. They were the Sandman of this book. Okay, I so the Inquisition was Hobgoblin. So, Aryan in Exile was first published in 2013. So, I mean, this would is have this been... This 2015, 2016? Huh? So, Sorcerer was in 2014. Was... Oh, so they came out, like, back to back. Yes, they did. 2013, 2014, 2015. Mm, so, interesting. Uh, that explains a lot, actually. Which actually makes me, oh gosh, I wish I could just turn around and just, like, force bring a Ragnar Blackmane in my hand just so I could kind of get yeah I know right bring in my hand so I could look up the the, the original publication date on that because I'm aware of that it's just like all around the same time with the Inquisition and, and the Space Wolves like that whole idea was kind of coming around hold please play oh, your own right. music while we sit here <laughs> 2016 okay so so see so this could have actually we could get the physical book using our ESPN or <laughs> use the we could internet. use the most powerful information tool known to man. Sometimes I like just having a book in my hands, Jen. So oh, I can't argue with that. I mean, so this might have actually kind of started in a way and because we're coming really in and because we're coming in like near the end of this, you know, it's just it, it just it feels like it's, it could it's too much, you know, and that happens when you read stuff when you get somewhere like nearly 10 years later that's depressing like when you try to read peter straub's ghost story in 2022 or when i read it, it was like 2016 and you're like wow this is boring trite and done 6000 oh actually these guys probably started this trope damn it damn it had i read this in 1972 this would have been mind-boggling 
kind of hard sometimes when we go back and read older books because it's hard to tell which came first. And you're entirely, you know, right. you could be right. This could have been the start of <laughs> the weirdness. Um, was that that? Yeah, that was. It could have been the start of the weirdness. I don't know. Um, all I know is that I am. Well, I'm not digging it. Well, no, but, you know, and also you got to think about. So 2013, let's say that let's say John French started this. Maybe he didn't. I bet it was some campaign. And then he fed off of that is most likely what, what had happened. But now, like moving closer to when the rift opens, you know, we have the whole thing with Magnus and, you know, invading, uh, uh, coming down on Fenris, the rift opens, we have the Inquisition really, you know, meddling in things and really getting pissy with the space wolves. We have Raboot Gulliman, who's trying to get in with the space wolves and hold off the Inquisition. So there's just kind of a, a lot that we've been doing right now. So it makes sense that, that we're tired of it mm -hmm. i have a feeling just saying if we had read this back then we would have gotten tired of it much sooner <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true that is probably completely true but i do stand by my statement that he they, he they just felt like the sandman of this series <laughs> where like look that's i like you guys i love the actor who played sandman i like your i like your arc i like the story i like what they did with you but it's just too much I was actually really yeah. curious, like, why are we even dealing with this right now? Because it, like, got near the end of the book. I was like, where are the space wolves? Oh, like, werewolf, where? Their wolf. Their wolf. Their Araman. I. Their gray knights. <laughs> I, for me, it almost felt like, I felt as though he switched gears. Like, he started writing the book and was like, oh, all right. I'm going to start a book and it's going to be the Space Wolves hunting down Araman. And I will admit, in those first couple chapters, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, all right, this is, this is going to be this kind of a night. This is good. And then it quickly became clear that I think he shifted gears and was like, oh, wait, but what if there's an Inquisitor? And I think it probably was one of those things where he was like, I could show how the Inquisition and Araman, like these are, or the Thousand Sons in general, like this is, this yeah. is a thing, right? They're both, they're both heading down the same path of damnation. And then he all of a sudden was like, oh, shit, there were safe space wolves in this book. Oh, I got to get those back in. Like, they really, I'm, I'm with you, they kind of felt forgotten. Like, they would just kind of appear like, don't, we're still here, mm -hmm. and then go away. And you were like, oh, <laughs> all right. Don't really care that you're you still here. Killed a bunch of white consoles, and you're like, whoa. That escalated quickly, and then it that, disappeared again. That really got out of hand. <laughs> Even for the space wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing. Yeah, I had I had some real issues with that. Um, just for, for a variety of reasons. But then again, that kind of shows like you like the space wolves. And I don't. So it's just kind of those opposite, you know, sides of how we're kind of viewing that mechanic through it as well. You know what? In 100%, it totally mm -hmm. could be that. Um, I want to say it wasn't, and they were just too much. I guess... I think I would have liked it had he ditched one of those. Because, again, you have the Grey Knights. You have the Inquisition. You have his own guys. And his own guys. I mean, like, but really, knocked, I, the Inquisition and Grey Knights are like a two-for-one special. <laughs> think about it. No. <laughs> it's like a BOGO. Oh, my gosh. What, so, did you, like, 
were any of the factions, none of the factions felt like they were just a little too extra for you? Like you, you enjoyed all of them? You especially with the Grey Knights, because as soon as I saw a Grey Knight, I was like, oh, Carrie's going to be happy. Yeah, except that these were assholes. And they didn't think for themselves. Can we... Can we... I have discuss? issues with the Grey Knights. Like, as yeah. much as I love them, and it's really... Graham McNeil, I'm calling you out a lot, but it's really because of Graham McNeil that I started to like them because they were brought in on uh, the Killing Ground. That was my first uh, introduction to the Grey Knights. And then I see them, and then I read, you know, Sons of Titan... And that was great, but they weren't at the machinations of an Inquisitor in that one either. Yes, there was an Inquisitor there, but they were making their own decisions. And in Ragnar Blackmane, you know, they were having issues with the Inquisitor. But even when the Inquisitor was making orders, even they were just like, uh, no. Like, I don't think so. Like, he's like, we're going to kill all the space wolves. And they're like, hmm. That's not in Ragnar Black Name. That is that's in, a, no, uh, sorry, yeah. sorry, Imtree's gift. Same author, but you know what I meant. Same author, yeah. but that just dawned on me. That's also the one where the, all of those issues start, and that's 2012. The we're just going to axe the space wolves. Okay, was that's that was that Imtree's gift? So it's 2012. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was like, it's not Ragnar Black Man. I could not think of it, and then it just popped into me. It's Imtree's gift. Yes, because Ragnar Black um, Man and the timeline actually comes after that. Yeah. All yes. right. Anyway. No, totally following you. Yeah, yeah. It was. I had ADB. I had the right guy. You had uh, the right author. Right. Um, but yeah. So, um, but they were thinking on their own, and this Cendrian guy. You were just this guy's personal, you know, attack dog. Like that's really all you were, and I was kind of disgusted by it. It was really cool, like, when he fought and they talked about, you know, them all uniting in one and they had the, you know, big old angel wings and, you know, the, their thought form and they were attacking Astraeus and everything. That was all... Sanakt, mm -hmm. sorry. That that was all really, really neat. But, you know, the fact that the Grey Knights are either badass or they're just lapdogs is a problem, I think, with, with the faction. No. I agree 100%. And the thing that it reminds me of is that in the 80s and 90s, especially, and if, I mean, you still see this a little bit now in modern movies, but in the 80s and 90s, especially in movies, if your protagonist is a police officer, then police officers are just dogged, good people who just want to help people. And the FBI are assholes who are secretive and they don't want to help people and they have their own agendas. Die hard. If your protagonist is the FBI agent, then the police are all thugs and hillbillies and they just want to thwart people and throw around their authority. And it's the FBI who are the heroes, who are noble and they use their superior detecting powers. Like, it, depending on from which point of view it was told, you got wildly desperate views on these two factions of people. I feel like the Grey Knights are the same way. If you have a Grey Knight-centric book and it's following the Grey Knights, they are unique individual snowflakes and they have their own desires and their own missions and their own ideas. If it is an Inquisitor, and especially if it is an Inquisitor that is being portrayed as maybe not super awesome, then they are just... They're just minions. They're really no different than the Minotaurs mm -hmm. in that way. Or the Inquisition. Right. They are very powerful psychers on a tight leash right um the reason in the emperor's adb's 
I will say it, ADB is a better author. So he doesn't fall into that trap as much, but the reason that his Grey Knights were so much more unique and thinky-thinky is because it's following a Grey Knight. The, the bad Inquisitor is a side character to those people. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. And this is, we talk a lot about this, where there's just these wildly disparate views of Primarchs, of factions, of people, these named characters. The Grey Knights are particularly bad about this. I mean, because even when uh, Chris Raitt brought them in with um, Watchers of the Throne, mm -hmm. that very first book, and they dropped down, and they're helping the Custodians. Custodians are like, I think I know who they are, but we don't care. They're fighting on our side. And then the Sisters of Silence show up, and the Grey Knights are like, oh, God, bad, like, oh, bad headache. Can you just stand over there? But, um, but it's cool. Like, we can Nobody still, we can still do this. I mean, that's what I mean. Um... That. No, I, I feel it. I feel that. And I agree. Because yeah, Sindrian, to me, was a... He was barely a character. He was barely a character. He was more like... Uh, Master Chief of Halo has more personality than him. He reminded me... I'm trying to think of a good example of this. The only one that's coming to mind is John Wick, uh, Halle Berry's character, when she has the two Belgian Malinois that she sticks on people and commands, and they're badass. Um, they were basically attack dogs for the Inquisitor. No real personality, no real motivation. You didn't get the impression there was a whole lot going on up here. Um, I just listen to whatever my overlords tell me to do. Mm -hmm. And that's not Space Marines, yo. No. And it, And I think for me, too, because it was just so much... Like, I didn't like the way they were handled. And it was just one, it was just one thing too many. Yeah. Which is really funny, given that some of the books I like is when it's just so many things, it turns into an 80s action movie. How's it going there? Um... Shot of Night? Yes, Shot of Night. I mean, that's where you were going. You said 80s action it's movie. Yeah. It well, has like 11 billion things in it and it all works. But I think it also... <laughs> So it depends on your feelings on a faction. It could be. And you and I both like the Grey Knights. I don't like them quite as much as you do, but we both like the Grey mm -hmm. Knights. So when they're not being utilized to their full potential, it, it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like if, if they wanted lapdogs, call in the Minotaurs. Go do that. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Where does Armin go from here? He's got a pet Inquisitor thing. He's destroyed a moon. Oh, oh like, oh, you talk about the memory viable, just kind of hanging out in his head. That's just yeah. weird, but whatever, dude. I guess it's better than keeping her skull on a shelf and talking to it. So, you know, we got that going for us. Only Fulgrim does that, to be clear. I, I, right, but still, it's still not, I mean, it's better, slightly better than a skull. Um... We have a living book. <laughs> all I could think of, you guys, all I could think of was the book from Hocus Pocus. I expected him to be like, book. <laughs> um, I'm curious what happens to Astraeus after this. Because, you know, Ariman said that if you survive this, they're going to turn you against me. So I'm like, okay, they're basically going to make him some sort of like Grey Knight thing, whatever. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have that. And... Ariman's going to find out that the Athenaeum is not teaching him anything he already knew because the whole thing kind of confused me because when he talked about 
trying to get the Athenaeum because it's the Book of Magnus. It's like, what happened to the book? You had it. Magnus gave it to you at the end of Thousand Suns. Did you lose it? Did you, uh, Magnus take it back? I'm very curious about that. But so now he has this feeling. So the next book is called Ariman Unchanged. Mm-hmm. So that says to me a few things. One, he hasn't learned any lessons. <laughs> My armor? <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. And or two... Woman, let me get the fainting couch before you say such things. <laughs> and or number two, that um, nothing changed, like nothing he did changed anything. So... Uh, I'm hesitant about Unchanged because, like, this book I thought was pretty good in terms of action and what he was doing. We already know that what he's going to try is going to fail because, like we said, otherwise there would be, like, a major lore-changing thing with him. He can't find the Black Library because that would, you know... I mean, look, we we broke Cadia. We have a Loyalist Primarch alive. Like, Let's give us another 20 years before we can, like, give Ariman the Black Library or something crazy like that. Right. You know, I will say along those lines, I am not. I'm not looking forward to the third book at all. Oh, God. It's going to, we're going to read it because we have started this, damn it, and I'm not a quitter. Most of the times. (laughs) Um, But. Oh, maybe we should read it next then. Just to get over with. No. That was fast. No, thank you. I'm good for now. Um, <laughs> thank you for offering, though. It's so, so nice of you. Um, I'm a giver. <laughs> if I could read the entire friggin' Twilight series, I can read the entire Armin series. Um, I'm not that looking forward to That might have been shorter. Book. To be fair. <laughs> um, but if I could read seven of the Wheel of Time books. All right, you beat me there. Okay. Um, and my husband read all of them. Um, I, I'm not, I need some time before we read the third one, but I am looking forward to the fourth book because things are a moving and a changing now. Yeah. So I so, will be interested. I know that Armin played a part in the 13th Black Crusade. So, yeah. So I'm, I am curious about that. And I'm curious about because. Obviously, with the rift, things are going to change for Ariman. So I'm very curious, like where, how the rift changes what he does. So that could oh, be- exactly. And they talk about the psychic awakening. So, mm-hmm. well, what does that look like for the Thousand Suns? What does that look like for Ariman? Like, I no joke. As much as I really did not like this book, and I really don't want to read the third one, I am excited for the fourth because I feel like he could do something. And um, he doesn't just have to spin his wheels in the mud. Like, things can happen. And I, I you we, you alluded to this earlier, but yeah, I want to see when Abaddon is actually, like, a major player. How do people like Armin look at that? How do people like Armin feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with Iskander Kane with Abaddon. Uh, especially with the Scander Kane on Terra. Yeah, but, does yeah blinded on Terra. Like, this is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry Black Library won't let you do this ADB, but I really need you to write the other Crusades. 
I need that so bad in my life. I know he's like having some real life stuff between like moving and just having like a baby, like a baby or whatever. Like right. that's hard work. <laughs> um, it, it's my worst nightmare is having a baby right now. Um, but well, technically like, he didn't have the baby. That's true, but I mean, let's be real. When you're married, you both have that baby. Um, I just. I need more of that, but I want to see, like, does Aramon know about that? Because he knows Cain. Apparently Cain was I'm, part of his cabal. I'm, well, we knew that, right? I, no, I, I, I actually didn't. Like, I know it was mentioned, like, in the last book, but, you know, but part of that, no, I found that very interesting that he was part of his cabal. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm with this. And then the Ruber K happened. He's like, dude. <laughs> the thing that haunts Cain is he tried to stop Aramon. Yeah. Like, I'm, I am legit excited for that, um, which is kind of weird to say, because as much as I've just spent like the last hour poo-pooing this book and trying to very delicately. Well, um, in a way, I am we are 10 years, almost 10 years too late. You know what? I'll agree with you there. And I hate to say this, but <laughs> I have some like... Unhealed trauma from the Fabulous Bill, Bill series. I, a lot of the tricks, and, and I understand that a lot of the tricks that he played, that Reynolds played with Fabulous Bill, started with these. Like, John French technically tried to pull those same tricks first of, hey, I'm not such a bad guy. Now, obviously, Fabulous Bill series leaned way heavier into it because... In the Fabulous Bill series, our biggest complaint was, this is not the same character from the Horus Heresy. At least this Ariman is very similar. Very similar. The first book, that first half where he's like, mm, what was I? Not the same character, but once he kind of comes into his own. Mm -hmm. And this book, definitely the same guy. Like, a little different, has definitely learned some lessons, has taken some hard knocks, but still more or less the same dude. Yeah. So... I do like that and I appreciate that. Um, I will say as much as I dislike this book, I am glad I read it. At least I have it under my belt. There are some things about him I know. And it gave us another example of an inquisitor who just needs, needs an adult. He is just, they all have affluenza. I'd like to point out to our listeners and viewers that um, Jen bought this book way before I did. Like she bought it, I think the year it came out, and I was like, and so, omnibus, yeah. and I was like, I don't know who Ari because at the time, you know, I'm clueless. Like I don't know who Ariman is, and then after reading A Thousand Sons and knowing that how much she doesn't like Thousand Sons, even back then, I was like, why did she buy this book? <laughs> so, you know what? It so was published in 2017. So I, omnibus. I didn't force her to to do this. Just getting that out. No, there. <laughs> no, and. To actually, to give even more credit, like, I br I brought this upon myself. Um, Carrie was going to go ahead and just read them. And I was like, dude, I bought the book in 2017. I should read this damn thing. Like, and again, I'm glad that I'm finally going through it. I do feel really guilty when I buy books. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that book. Never read it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that I'm getting through it. I'm glad that I'm reading it. I'm not enjoying the experience. <laughs> but kind of like the same reason that I read the Twilight books. At least I can say that I did. And I'm not just being a hater. You you have to have, you know, knowledge behind your hate. I just brought her around full circle. Anyway, 
Anyways, our you know what else is a full circle? A certain faction symbol. Yes. Um, it's kind of funny because typically when we do these like chaos marine books, we try to do something else to balance it out. But no, we're just going full tilt. We're just going to dive <laughs> right into it. Um, we are going to read another oldie that we haven't yet read yet somehow. Karn, Eater of Worlds by Anthony Reynolds. Um, this is a story. I never got around to reading it when it first came out. Uh, but this limited edition, though. Uh, I think everybody knows that I have a thing for them. And this is a beautiful limited edition. I cannot even tell you how nice the cover is. Oh, wow. Feels. First published in 2014. Yeah. So this is around the same time period. Um, I love this. This inside cover here. It's a beautiful limited edition. And I'm really excited to read this because this does, it does get referenced sometimes. Like I've had, like we've had people in our comments before reference it. I see it get referenced on Reddit a lot. So I'm really excited to dive into this one. Um, and I don't know much about Karn. Chili con Really, carne. really post, pre-heresy or, or post-heresy. I've learned like some about Karn in, during the heresy and the uh, pre-heresy. And the only time I've ever really seen him, though, I guess in the modern times, was in Shroud of Night. Now, he gets referenced, but even then, like, he was just this big rage monster just hacking through. So I'm just, I'm curious what a book about him is going to be like. So Makes two of us. Um, when you get to Betrayer, you will see a whole lot more of Karn, and you will really like him. In fact... Well, you won't really have time to squeeze that in. I was going to say, you could somehow squeeze that in. Um, that um, it will help. It really will, I think. I don't but, know. I mean, getting through a Horace Heresy book a week lately, so maybe. But the thing that's fun about it, for me at least, is that we read The Thousand Sons, which is one of your favorite legions. And now we're going to read A World Eaters, which is one of my favorite. Um, the World Eaters are not thinkers their problem is not that they want too much knowledge they're berserkers yeah they're not they're not scholars they're like the opposite of scholars like i like to imagine that like armin would be sitting over there reading a book and karn's eating the book modern karn not heresy karn obviously pre-heresy karn would not have been eating the book but this one's definitely the paste eater in the kindergarten class let's be real um so <laughs> Now, Carrie, when I start referencing that. All right. You know what? That's all I'm going to think of every time I'm reading this. It's like, oh, the paste eater. He's not a world eater. He's a paste eater. Kind of all of the world eaters. Let's be real. Well, you know, during the heresy, the eight worlds. After the heresy, the paste. I mean, kind of makes sense. And blood. And blood and skulls and all that. They don't eat the skulls. They need the skulls for the throne. I don't know what they do with their lives, Carrie. But I'm not judging. I imagine they kill a lot of things. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, I guess of all the chaos gods, if I had to, they put a gun to my head and said I had to, like, and I couldn't say neither and have them kill me. No, I have to choose one. Maybe corn. Right. I mean, it's, it's not a good thing, but man, I'm too vain for the other three. Yeah, same. Do you want to take us out, Carrie? Yeah, I sure. I sure will before we go down that rabbit hole of, well, I guess if I was slanesh, I might think I was pretty, but. 
<laughs> like <laughs> Lucius. Look at my skin. Or, uh, crap, Solgrim. Anyway. <laughs> oh, you listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Ariman Sorcerer by John French. I was going to grab my book, but it's underneath two other books. So, uh, oh, maybe Jen will grab it. So be sure to join us next time for, I do have this book, Karn, Eater of Worlds by Anthony Reynolds. We've never read anything by him, I don't believe. Um, we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books, so please stay well and read from our crag. And yeah, I'm still all furious. And I got a fat cat. The cat is fat. Can't argue with it. I got a flat cat. Can't argue with the fat cat. I, I got nothing. See, because I can't argue with it. Exactly. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. of the Warhammer 40k book club was hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve. <laughs>